Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Go Blue is 2 podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Douglas. Today with me, I have Mike DeCourcy, who I don't, how does one man watch and follow so many sports? <laughs> DVR is a good handy tool for that, I can Which tell you that. True. So you still have cable, because I, I can't do it with, with my, uh, I'm disconnected from cable. I can't even watch too many games, honestly, so I need that DVR in my life. It's important. Yeah, I, I could not live without that. Uh, there's no way. Uh, it, it, it's too important because of the need to move times around to fit my schedule. You know, uh, like, I don't know how the other writers do it who, who follow nationally, but a, a night like Wednesday night when you've got maybe seven, eight essential games being played and all fairly much in the same window. Mm. I don't know how you watch them all. So I DVR everything and I can go faster and, and I can, you know, uh, so I, I have a real hard time watching games I know what happened in, unless I'm looking for something specific to, for a, a research project or for uh, a Big Ten Network studio appearance or something like that. But to just sit down and watch a game I know who won, I really have trouble with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I have utilized the extended highlights. It's been a new thing, I think, in the past few years. I, I love the extended highlights. That gives me a full picture, and especially when I was overseas, it was like the only thing I could watch, so I was religious with those but yeah DVR is very important I want to talk to you obviously about Michigan basketball and I was looking up you know googling Mike DeCourcy talks Michigan or Mike DeCourcy Big Ten predictions and stuff like that and I came across one and just like everybody else you know you predicted that you know you wouldn't be surprised you said you wouldn't be surprised if Michigan finishes a champion but that they would they would have some challenge and I'll give you credit there that they would have some challenges and they might even have to establish a new formula is this completely surprising to you, um, you know, their record and their start um, and just how they performed lately? You know, I, I have been asked a lot about the nature of their season in the context of disappointment. Uh, mm. and, and some of my colleagues in the national media immediately grabbed onto the, quote, most, most disappointing uh, label. And I, I never thought it was fair. I, I had them ranked, although I had still had them in the top 15, I had them ranked lower than pretty much anybody. I had them as the third Big Ten team. I, I, I had no doubt that they would be on that tier, or I, I, I felt like I had no doubt. But what's gone wrong relative to them being on that tier? I think it starts with the assumption that a lot of us made, and, and it, it was an unfair assumption, that because Mike Smith came in from Columbia, and was an immediate smash, was a terrific Big Ten point guard from day one, that automatically every transfer up that comes into Michigan's program is going to be a Mike Smith-level success. Devontae Jones, it hasn't worked for him. And not every player who transfers up, it immediately or eventually uh, becomes a huge success. It, it, It works for some. Carly Jones, it at uh, Louisville a year ago, worked out really well for him. He had a terrific year, although the team faded late. Um, and, and he did not play as well in the second half of the year either. Uh, but he obviously mastered the early part of the season and, and was very successful. And, we, like, and we've seen that again at Michigan, yeah. where, where Mike was so good. But it, it hasn't really clicked for Devontae. And I don't think that they could – one thing that I don't think this Michigan team could afford, based on the number of players who went out, uh, they couldn't afford anybody to really miss, to be yeah. great. 
Uh, and so Devontae, and, and, and then the secondarily, Caleb Houston, who was a top 10 recruit and who has struggled in a lot of games, especially early uh, in, in high-end games. Pretty much every time Michigan played a high-end, a, a high-major opponent, he would struggle and Michigan would lose. And there, I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a coincidence. A lot was expected of him. A, a lot of times players take a little while to adjust. I mean, mm-hmm. Peyton Watson at UCLA uh, brought in as a top 10 recruit, um, still believed to be a lottery pick, but hasn't been highly productive. And, you know, I, I don't know about Caleb's specific circumstance, how he spent last year. But Watson's a good example, and this may or may not apply to Caleb, of a player who had essentially no senior year in high school. Uh, that you know, at high school, yeah, but uh, but uh, senior season in high school, essentially none. Mm-hmm. And and that and 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 no one had springy YBL, Peach Jam, uh, what you know, Adidas or or all Under Armour, if that was your if that was your scene. Uh, nobody had any of that. And so that had been something that had helped a lot of players make the transition. I'm playing every game against high major talent, maybe not against high major coaching, but against high major talent. So it hasn't clicked for Caleb. And, and early on Eli Brooks was able to make up for some of what the other players weren't providing, but it's not really, you know, 20 points a game is not Eli Brooks's natural habitat. I mean, it, it, right. that's not who he is. And, and, and that, that doesn't mean he's not a terrific college basketball player and someone that anybody in America would want on their team. Yeah. Uh, he's great. Uh, he just isn't a superstar. So that's kind of what happened to Michigan from my perspective. And I think that the fact that it happened early, eventually, as people start picking at it, how come you're not better? And, it, and when I say people, I just don't mean random people on Twitter. I'm talking about, you know, uh, my colleagues and, and me and, and all the people who discuss these things. Um, it makes it harder. It's another obstacle for the team to overcome. It, people expected more. It hasn't been delivered. That disappointment becomes another burden. Yeah, no, definitely. A lot of people have asked me, are you surprised? And they want me to say yes. And I said, well, I'm never super surprised when teenagers don't perform well, especially in their first year. Like these are kids. And for you to be, I mean, I guess you can be maybe a little disappointed. I don't, I wouldn't use that word, but it is not surprising when you have so many moving pieces, you lose so many great players. And I just trying to get Michigan fans, any college fan to wrap their head around that. Like every year is a new year. Every kid is different. Like you cannot predict these things whatsoever, but it's been fun to watch the growth. And I think uh, along with that, the growth of Howard, of Coach Howard, and sort of how you mentioned, maybe they need to establish a new formula. And they did. They've been running different sorts of sets. They started out the set with a, a screen for Hunter against, them, against Maryland to start the game off with a bucket. And, you know, you can't just have Franz or Isaiah Livers or Mike Smith enter it and, you know, just free flowing like they did last year. So it has been fun to watch. I don't know if you've, picked up on any of that or what you've seen from Juwan as the season has gone on in terms of, you know, kind of X's and O's standpoint. No, I like the fact that he has uh, been willing to be flexible. I also like the fact that he has not been dispirited. Uh, He had, he has been uh, very steady and I, I, I'm not surprised by that, that, but that doesn't mean that one can't 
you know, a coach, a coach can't come and, and get frustrated and, and allow that to be again, another obstacle. And that's not what he's done. You know, I think the one, one thing I would say that needs to happen and that this very well could be happening, but one thing that needs to happen is if you look back to 2020 and they were still transitioning, obviously to a new coach uh, and, and they had the roster that they had. And Isaiah got hurt. And when Isaiah was healthy, they were unbelievable. And when Isaiah was hurt, they really struggled. And that was, you know, that was kind of a defining thing for them that year. And then last year, Isaiah was pretty much there the whole time, give or take. And they were great. And so I think, you know, that leadership and character that he provided, that needs to be built in with into the program. You know, it can't be that player dependent in a sense. And, and, and I, I think that's something that, you know, if you had Isaiah on this team, um, a lot of what happened in the first month, uh, two months, would have been different because yeah. of the steadiness and the stature that he had. And I, I think that you need to recruit somebody like that. And, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly how one goes about that in today's day and age, because uh, if you recruit a really talented player, uh, then then he may leave you quickly. Uh, and if you recruit a not talented enough player, he may not, you know, he may not help you much. Mm-hmm. And so finding that sort of player or players, I think that, I think that, you know, that's something that, uh, that would really be important for Michigan. And whether those players are on this roster, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe in time, uh, some of the freshmen are, uh, you know, another Eli, I think, again, Eli would, you know, could be that kind of player, yeah. um, but I don't think he's quite able to overcome, you know, the, the performance deficiencies, I should say, of some of the, you know, the more prominent players on the team. So I, I think that's something that, uh, that in the, in whether it happens within this season or it happens in the next recruiting cycle, I think that's something that could really benefit Michigan as a program. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I kind of saw Livers kind of develop into that. And you see that a lot of times with guys that, you know, progress each year. And one thing that is underappreciated is steadiness. And like that steadiness does progress and grow for each player. I can see Caleb kind of being that. I know Michigan fans are not excited about maybe the way he's shooting the ball and the expectations that were put on him. But I think they're excited that, you know, maybe he'll return now and get that player back and watch that growth. Um, It is interesting to watch these freshmen play and learn on the go and like just make one less mistake each game. And, you know, they just started out the season with a bunch. So when you make one less, it's going to slowly get better, but that might not translate into wins. What do you see from, this freshman class, and let's say Caleb does come back, Musa comes back, you know, next year they're, they're not going to even have any seniors as far as I think I looked at the roster. There's not a single junior on there and whether they get another grad transfer or not. But what are you seeing from this freshman class that can translate into uh, success next year? Oh, I, I, I watched Caleb play in the U19 World Championships. And so I know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And I, I think adjusting to playing against high level college defense night after night it you know, there some guys are so talented that it it doesn't seem that you know that it's that much of an adjustment but even with those players 
I mean, with the exception of the absolute ridiculous players like uh, Durant when he was at Texas, mm-hmm. even even those even the best of those players. I mean, we saw Paulo Vancaro go down to Duke a couple nights ago and not take a shot for like a dozen minutes while his team is slowly dipping or gra- ra- rapidly dipping. And and that made a difference in them not winning the game. And he's too good to not take a shot. Uh, but he couldn't see the shots because he was being defended really well. And so that that's something that is an adjustment for pretty much everybody. And so for Caleb to be struggling with that adjustment is, you know, the level to which he struggled was it was kind of a shock, but that he's struggling at all is not. And usually what ends up happening with a player as talented as he is, that gets conquered. And then all of a sudden, that you have a terrific player on your hands. And I think that's absolutely going to happen with him if he sticks around. And I'm a believer that if you can't conquer college defense, then your conquering of the NBA is, is going to be really difficult to attain. And I, I've always believed that if, you, if you're not going to make an impact at all and you're going to spend most of your time in the G League, that you're better off playing the, the second college season. PJ Washington being a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Play the second college season, become a truly great college player, uh, get valued in the draft, and then go into the league ready to play, ready to make a difference. And I, I, I think Caleb is more talented than PJ was, uh, and so I think that his his second season could be even more significant. Yeah, he has the advantage of not having to capitalize on some talent. You know, he has the height, he has the ability, he has the shooting ability. It is all there and he'll grow into his body a little more. So it is all there for him to come back and have success next year, which is exciting, very exciting. Uh, What do you see from this Michigan team and the Big Ten as a whole? Can they crack that upper half, uh, sort of the middle? But let's say upper half. Can they crack the upper half of the Big Ten? It, well, okay, so right where they are now, they're two and three. So yeah. m- numerically, it's not out of the question. I mean, they haven't played a huge segment of their schedule. Yeah, uh, so they got they have thirteen games left, six versus ranked teams. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's not an easy road. No, it's not. And and one of the interesting things about this season is that teams like Penn State that would not fit into that upper echelon. Uh, that didn't, you know, somewhat like Michigan, although not a, a little bit more expected than, than the Wolverines, um, didn't perform great in non-conference. But now they're in the league and performing much better. Uh, Rutgers, we thought that they would be better than they are, but they're fighting for every inch of the court. We saw that in the Iowa game, mm-hmm. held Iowa below 50 points. Uh, that's not easy to do when one guy averages practically that on his own. Uh, but they did it. And so none of those games is going to be easy. Uh, I'd say the closest you'd come is home Nebraska in a couple of weeks, but even they uh, having won no league games have been in most of the, you know, most or all of their league games. There've been a few that were, uh, that were one-sided and even took Ohio state, which is a championship contender in the league to overtime. Mm -hmm. So you have to be ready for that. I mean, if you're, if you're the Wolverines, I mean, you really have to be all ready and no, not taking anything for granted 
against the teams that come in that are, you know, less accomplished, Northwestern, Nebraska, you get them at home. Uh, you got to be ready to fight when you go to Penn State. And then, you know, can you be successful uh, against the teams in the league that have been that have been winning games? Uh, yeah, I, I, I hesitate to say yes, because I haven't seen this Wolverines team do it yet. They haven't beaten a significant opponent from the beginning of the year. So it, I, 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 but I won't say that they can't do it because I know how much talent is there. I, yeah. I know Hunter's, uh, he was an All-American for us last year, second team All-American. Um, you know, we talked about how talented Caleb is and how much I love Eli's spirit and, and his fight. So I, they, they can beat everybody on their schedule. Uh, the, you know, at Wisconsin, that's going to be a rough one. They don't beat themselves very much, but again, if, if every, you know, if every Wolverine came out and had an A game, um, then that'd be a tough night for that tough afternoon, I should say for the Badgers. So I I can't say where it's going, but I can say where it could go, which is that they have the ability uh, and the schedule to finish in the upper half of the league. Uh, but yet they, they have to find that Maryland, you know, that Maryland performance that they delivered, that has to be a more regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you, where do you rank Big Ten for Power Five conferences? I'd say, you know, I, I think the Big 12 is clearly the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, right now they have nine teams that are eligible for the NCAA tournament and all nine could make it. They can't, they won't all make it, but each of the nine could make it. That's pretty astonishing. I, I've never seen anything quite like that before. Probably the closest was the ACC uh, early 90s. And then Big Ten in 90, excuse me, Big East in 91 when I was covering Pitt then. Uh, they had, I believe the league was nine teams then and eight on Selection Sunday. Still had a chance to get in and seven made it out of nine. So that's kind of what the big this year's Big 12 is looking at. I, I, from there... Whether the Big Ten is stronger or the SEC is stronger, I think the top of the SEC is probably stronger. Uh, but the, the the bottom teams, the middle and bottom teams, I think are a little bit uh, a little bit less consistent. And so I would probably side a li- to the, with the Big Ten there. The Big East now, the Big East and Big Ten went head to head in the Gavit games, and the Big East came out firmly on top of that. Uh, it I think there's less pure talent in the Big East. Uh, but again, it's, it's, you know, they, they fight you hard. There, there's kind of a lot of Rutgers teams, maybe slightly more talented Rutgers teams in the big East. They, again, they fight you for every inch of the court. Mm-hmm. I, I still think the big 10 has better players uh, than, than the big East overall, which is why I'd give them a slight edge. So I'd say probably big 12, one easy, then big 10 and then sec and big East tied for third. Gotcha. Have I, I don't know, and I can't even really guess, but it seems like this year in the Big Ten, in terms of individual scoring, has been some of the highest maybe I've seen in a while. Is, am I wrong? It's wild. It really is. I can't remember. Uh, maybe maybe we have to go back to Sean Respert. Um, I can't remember having guys that at the, at the top of the league uh, at, at, that are also at the top of the country. Keegan Murray, uh, uh, Johnny Davis. Uh, those guys that th- th- being that high ranked in scoring, usually if you look at the leading national scorers, 
the vast majority of them are playing in mid and low major leagues. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're not great players because a lot of them are. Right. But it's hard. It's hard to, to consistently score in the 20s in a high major league. Uh, Luca Garza did it, but that was partly because Luca could, you know, as a, as a post player who was elite as a post player and who also had a three point shot, uh, he could score inside outside, you know, for wing players uh, like Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis to be doing that in this conference is, is pretty remarkable. Do you think Keegan can win player of the year, even if, you know, Iowa doesn't make the tournament or finishes in the middle of the pack? I think it'd be hard uh, in part because Johnny Davis is playing so well. Yeah. And, and his team is not right now and doesn't seem to be ticketed for the middle of the pack. It seems to be, you know, headed for uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, for contention for the conference championship. So, you know, I think it'll, I, I think right now, if you asked who is the big tens leading candidate for all America player of the year, it would have to be Johnny Davis. Makes sense. Can, can my guy Hunter still make a first team? Is it, is it, it needs a late push, huh? Yeah, he does. And, and, and not so much because of what he's done. Some of, remember, a lot of this goes into team success. Uh, that's, that plays a big role. It, impact is yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, but also because the league, as we said, is just loaded with great players. It's, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, you go back to the early nineties when you had four year guys. And so then you had Jimmy Jackson and you had Chris Weber. It was a two year guy and Jawan and Jalen. And yeah. there was an unbelievable amount of individual talent in the league then, but to having, having these sorts of seasons is uh, really uncommon. Uh, and I mean, really you could select a first team all America, just a month of big 10 players and have players left over. Uh, you, you know, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, EJ Liddell, uh, the, the players we've mentioned, Hunter. Uh, it, it's just, I, I, it's just amazing. Jaden Ivey, another. And if you prefer a different Purdue player, Zach Eady, uh, because of what he's able to do with his size and skill. It, it, I've never seen individual talent uh, in terms of seasons, having, having individual players having these kinds of seasons since, uh, you know, since I've been covering college basketball, and that goes back to late 80s. Yeah, I, EJ Lydell, I think, is an afterthought for some people for whatever reason in terms of like player of the year. I don't know, maybe it's just not a sexy name. doesn't really make too much sense. But in Kempom, I think he's like number two for a player yes. of the year for the nation or something. It's just like insane to me. So do you think because, you know, I don't know if it's a stereotype or just what I've experienced, you guys get into the um, tournament from the Big Ten, teams get into the tournament from the Big Ten, and there's just kind of a difference of play or maybe talent where these Big Ten teams were ranked a little too high because they were beating up on each other, but it seems like there is a talent there to carry these teams through the tournament. Um, I mean, they've been having a lot of success throughout the past few years, but you know, what teams, like how deep do you think they can go? Like can MSU make a run? Do you think, um, you know, OSU can make a run in the tournament? Like there's that much talent in the big Ten. Well, yeah, I think those teams could. Um, I think that, that they certainly have that ability. And, and, and Wisconsin is a team that both has that ability in Johnny Davis, a guy who can take over a game, went to mm-hmm. Purdue and put 37 uh, with a lot of that going against Jaden Ivey, who is the single most dynamic player in college basketball. 
So shows how what he's capable of in, in the, when it's needed. Uh, but I, I think the, the, the thing that I look at is what should happen to an extent. I mean, who should make a run? And I start that conversation with Purdue and Illinois. Purdue, obviously, with the talent and depth they have, the size, no one can match. Uh, they're, they're a little bit uh, lean at point guard. They have two very fine college players in Eric Hunter and Isaiah Thompson, but neither is a true set-up playmaker, which is why they've spent a lot of their time running their offense through Jaden Ivey, uh, because he can get deep on anybody. Uh, because of his dynamism he can get the ball to the rim against any team in the country I mean I I looked at that Illinois uh, double OT game uh, on Martin Luther King Day and and I thought he was playing terribly Uh, and and ultimately he was three of 11 from the field but I mean couldn't get anything to go down and then you look at the end of the game and he shot I think 15 free throws and the numbers are great and they win the game and so it just (laughs) shows how really capable he is of making things happen for them. So they've got a lot going for them. And then, uh, and then Illinois, uh, a team that found a real rhythm during the absence of Andre Curbelo and, and beat a lot of people. Uh, and then Andre comes back on Monday and they fall. I don't think that's a, I don't think those two circumstances are connected. They were playing a great team. Kofi got in foul trouble. It doesn't, didn't really have anything to do with Andre coming back that they didn't, that they weren't as successful. But I do think that there is an adjustment period to a player who's as uncommon as Andre is. Yeah. Again, a player who is as creative as we have in the conference and maybe there is in the country. And so that having going from a, a guy like Trent Frazier, who handled the ball, got it where it needed to go, made good entry passes to Kofi Coburn, made a lot of deep shots under pressure, uh, to a guy like Corbello who can get the ball to the lane at, almost at will, who can set up teammates, who can get to his own shot. It's a different, it's a different setup. And so how do they manage that adjustment period? Do they lose games in the time because they're adjusting? And, and how great can they be once Corbello is completely integrated? I, I, I think they can be special. I, I, like, the, I like the group around they're central players. I think that uh, Alfonso Plummer's been a great addition, and I, I think that they have the they have the, the ability to be the deepest running team in the tournament of all the Big Ten teams. Yeah, it's a luxury to be in an adjustment period and still be playing so well. It must be nice. Michigan fans are probably a little jealous of that. You, know, I, you talked about Jaden Ivey, and I have a diehard Purdue fan. And, you know, my, my friends. Um, are diehard Purdue fans or diehard IU fans. And so, you know, a lot of hype around Purdue. And I said, you know what, Joe, it's just going to be the same thing for Purdue. They're going to go into a tournament. Jay and I was going to go three for 15. They're going to lose. And then he proves that he can do three for 11, still have a massive impact in the game. So I'm kind of reevaluating my thoughts on Purdue as a whole. But right now we are recording tonight and IU and Purdue have not played yet. This will come out on Friday but I wanted to get some of your thoughts on IU and Purdue and how you see that matchup. Now the line started two and a half points for Purdue or in favor of Purdue um, yesterday. It's up to three and a half now, uh, but I got a lot of people here saying they're taking IU money line. And, and I think they're crazy. I don't, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I, my question is how can, how, how effective can trace Jackson Davis be against Zach Eady yeah. who he'll face a good portion of the game. 
uh, a year ago, Trace really struggled against Miles Johnson. Uh, Miles, uh, 6'11", great length at Rutgers. He really struggled when he faced him. Couldn't get much done at all. He's a different player now. He can move. To sh- he can move. He can. He can get shots from not from deep, but from the perimeter, from the foul line. Uh, he's a much better player in that aspect. But he also has to deal with that overwhelming physicality of Edie and what he's capable of. So I, you know, I, I Rutgers has won nine in a row in the series, and they're the better team. Uh, but I will say this: that when Assembly Hall is right, it's one of the best home court advantages in college basketball and with IU on the, the role that they're on and with Purdue on that streak and IU fans dying to end it. Yeah. Uh, I will be, I, I will not be at all surprised if they make that such a difficult home court that it's hard for Purdue to prevail. That's my caveat, but I still, I still expect Purdue to win the game based on where they are in the evolution of their team and how they match up because of that interior strength. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. I, I agree with you. Moving on uh, to the last part of this, another matchup that I'm really looking forward to is Trace Jackson Davis versus uh, Hunter Dickinson on Sunday. IU plays Michigan. And last year I looked it up. I think Trace had only 10 points. Hunter had, you know, 13 and six or and six or something. Um, but Trace didn't have one of his better games and I'm kind of expecting him kind of coming out for blood. What do you, what do you expect in that matchup between those two? Well, you know, I think one thing that in that game, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he saw a lot of race Thompson, if Hunter did, because race is so physically powerful and it takes some of the defensive pressure off a of trace. Uh, then you use trace as a uh, off the ball shot blocker. He's become a terrific shot blocker, more than doubled his blocks this season. Uh, so I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how, often or how rarely they match against one another, uh, especially on Hunter's offensive end. Uh, that would, um, that would be something that I would look for. I trace it has become a terrific defensive player. And so there may be times late in the game. If, if, you know, if we're, if it's tight and competitive and, and Hunter's the obvious first option in that circumstance, especially on the inside uh, that they would move, trace over because of his uh, defensive improvement. Uh, but I, I, I would think that it would start early on with trying to protect trace from foul trouble. Mm. Uh, Hunter's such a physical, such a physical uh, offensive player and plays through so many players you know, in terms of when I say play through, I'm not talking about ball goes into him. I'm talking about, he plays physically through his yeah. defenders. So putting trace in that circumstance where it's hard. Sometimes it's hard not to foul because of how sudden he is with yep. his post moves and how he, without fouling you, just gets into your body. Uh, so I, I, I think race might race Thompson, who's a little bit shorter, but really physical. I think he might get a little bit more of that matchup for a, a lot of the day. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's going to be uh must watch TV for me on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mike, I really appreciate you coming on. I wish you all the best of luck with your DVR. Hopefully that memory stays put and doesn't get filled up. <laughs> I, I do not envy how much sports you have to watch, but I uh, love your content. And yeah, uh, best of luck with all that the rest of the season. Stuart, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.